When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the decision point with Anand and Dury. Anand, there's a lot to talk about. I love the NFL. The NFL has problems. One of its problems is not year-round content. <laughs> no, it is not. It's a machine. <laughs> They've created a structure where you got a lot of players that are unhappy with their contracts, are unhappy with their situations. You've got situations where the coaches are unhappy with the players, and then they're venting to the media. So then there's all this behind-the-scenes discussion about what's going to happen with player X, what's going to happen with player Y, why hasn't the Aaron Rodgers deal got done, when is the Aaron Rodgers deal going to get done, is there a chance it doesn't get done, and then what's happening with the NFL draft? Who's moving up? Who's moving down? It's wild. It's wild. Let's let's start with the NFL draft because we're, we're, we're not going to forget to talk about Lamar Jackson. We're not going to forget to talk about Austin Eckler. We're not going to forget to talk about these guys, but I just want to make sure we talk about the draft first because it's still a month away less than a month now yeah and we're gonna be in kansas city you and me four weeks out hey baby four weeks out to the day live we're gonna be live streaming every round of the draft and we're gonna have uh stations set up with jack cavanaugh breaking news and we're gonna have boots on the ground at the draft it's gonna be wild it's gonna be fantastic i'm so excited to run it back we have twice the number of personnel in Kansas City, as we had in Las Vegas, you have received word that a particular team has their pick on the block. It's a very valuable pick and that there is another team that is very much in play for that pick. Yeah, the the, the pick itself is three for Arizona, as we talked about that they would probably be sellers only because they have their quarterback, right? Kyler Murray is going to be there for better or for worse for at least the next few years, right? And and if they have to hit the reset button on that, it's not going to be now. There's just no way to do it. So they've put three on the block, and the three teams that I've heard are interested are the Raiders, the Colts, the Titans. And one of these teams is interesting for a very particular reason. I don't think Arizona is going to get what they want from Indy to go down one spot. Because Arizona, once again, is not trading for a quarterback. So the only reason that it makes sense for them to trade down to four is if they can trade down from four again to maybe seven, 
where maybe they work out a deal with the Colts and the Raiders where essentially the Colts get to three, the Raiders get to four, they go to seven. If that works out, that works out. But the Titans being in on this is interesting. For They're trying to jump Indy. And basically what the markets are telling you right now is it's more likely than not that the first three picks in the draft are quarterbacks. And it's probably going to go Stroud, Young, Richardson. And then that leaves basically a void. Like there's a vacuum of space beyond that where the question is if you're indie, does someone move up with you to four to try and take Will Levis? Do you take Will Levis? Do you believe he's franchise quarterback? Do you believe he's worth the fourth overall pick? Because the question that Colts fans are going to ask at some point is, well, if you're not going to pull the trigger on quarterback now, then when? Because we've gone through the cycles of every year someone different is our starting quarterback week one. And the irony of all of this is if they're left playing musical chairs and trading down to seven, right? If it is Tennessee that in fact moves to three, and then they move down to seven with the Raiders. Have you heard that it is Tennessee talking to Arizona? This is the most likely thing to happen. I think it's probably most likely that Tennessee does it. It's either them or the Raiders. Because I don't think I don't think that that Indy is going to be willing to give up enough to move up one spot, and I don't think they should. I think that's that that's ridiculous. Like you're moving up one draft slot, you can't give up as much as Arizona is going to ask them to give up. And Arizona is just sitting there because they already know, right? Basically, Anthony Richardson is the leftover prize after CJ and Bryce are gone, and you're not going to find if if that's the prototype that you like, you're not going to find another one. Right, like it's kind of like when Lamar came out. If that's your guy, you're not going to find another guy like that. There, there's no, there's no other archetype like that that you can go find. And so the, the the thing is with Richardson for me is I don't think he's raw in the sense of doesn't know how to process, can't do things efficiently. Obviously, we know relative inaccuracies are there. There's no question about that. But a lot of that is depth of target, right? Florida had him throwing the ball 11, 12 yards down the field. And I mean, that offense was a joke last year. But also, he's only started 13 games. Like, a big part of this is he just needs reps. He needs to go somewhere where he can actually get NFL-caliber quarterback coaching. And the the biggest question that anybody has, right, regarding this entire draft is what happens at three if Arizona is willing to sell? And they are. Right. So now you have a realistic scenario where quarterbacks not only could go one, two, three, but if Indy's comfortable taking Levis, now you oh. might go one, two, three, four. Four or if X not, QB to start. Four, four X QB to start is in play, which is crazy given where we were two months ago, not even two months ago, where it was do the Bears just sit at one? and take Will Anderson, Jalen Carter. Now we're talking about those guys, one of those two being available at number six overall. It moves really, really quick. And like these are the things about the draft that you've got to kind of anticipate in advance because nobody's going to tell you what they're going to do in advance of doing it. This is one of those situations where there's so much smoke that there's definitely fire. Somebody is moving to number three to take a quarterback. It's probably Anthony Richardson, given all the information that we have. Because, I mean, if you're a team that's willing to give up what Arizona's going to ask you to give up to go to three, you better be damn sure that you're good with any of the top three quarterbacks or that Richardson is your QB one in this class, which I'm sure somebody has, right? Like Somebody values him as the most 
prized quarterback in this class. If he's your number one guy or if you're comfortable with him being the future of your franchise, you make that move. So, I mean, it, one of the one of those three teams is going to end up with Anthony Richardson on their roster, and it's going to be fun as hell to watch because, I mean, you know, from fantasy perspective, you have all that rushing upside, uh, and obviously depending on where he goes, right? And he has a pretty decent set of pass catchers and weapons, if you if it's the Raiders, we know what they've brought in in terms of receivers. I mean, if it's Tennessee, that's that's the one where you're like, okay, well, what do we do here? But I mean, it's just it's fascinating, right? Arizona selling, we kind of saw coming, but the Titans emerging is the team that probably is most likely to go up there. Was not something I saw coming. QB times four. I kind of love it. QB times four. I kind of love it. I, I kind of love it. I mean, I don't I don't think it's the right move. No, especially. It's not. For the Colts, I hope the hell they don't go with like whoever's left. That doesn't no, sound the, like a good idea. Matt, the, the irony of it here is their best day one starter option might be, if, if all this goes down the way that we think it goes down, the Titans move up to three, they draft Richardson. Indy, wisely realizing, hey, we're not all in on Levis, we really wanted Richardson, moves out with a desperate Raiders franchise that has to have somebody, right? So they take Levis at four. The irony of this whole situation is the best possible week one starting quarterback for Indianapolis is probably Ryan Tannehill. Mm. Mm. Wow. Yikes. Yeah, it changes that quickly, right? You have the number four overall pick in the draft. The the one overall was a team that doesn't need a quarterback that was probably going to take a defender. Two overall was probably going to take Bryce Young. Arizona, if they stuck at three, doesn't need a quarterback. You are in prime position to get C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson four weeks ago, and now you may get neither, and it's not your call, and there's nothing you can do about it. How would Ryan Tannehill end up in Indianapolis? They would probably just either – it's either they'd cut him just to for the cap relief, or he'd get traded, which is unlikely among interdivision teams. But, you know, if – if they're aggressively pursuing Anthony Richardson as their quarterback, they're already telling Tannehill, we don't believe in you. So, I mean, it, it's a it's a weird, weird market for quarterbacks right now. You've either got a guy or there's just like weird middle class of quarterback that is getting paid but not super paid. And teams are trying to figure out how to win there. And I just, it's the Derek Carrs of the world. You know, like, I don't know how much stock you can put in that guy getting you there. Ryan Tannehill has a base salary this year of $27 million, Okay, His cap hit would be $36.6 million, Okay, Dead cap, 18.8. So they could save like $20 million against the cap and $27 million of cash. If they make this move, there's no reason to have Tannehill on the roster. You're not competing for anything, right? Like, we saw what the Tannehill Titans were capable of. They were capable of the one seed and losses at home. That's it. Like, there's not a coincidence here that no. when Tannehill was carrying a cap hit of 22.5 or 11.5 in 2020 and 2021, that's when the Titans were the one seed. That's when they were the most competitive. Yep. His cap hit goes up to $38 million last year, and they're worse. Yeah. And it's 36.6 this year. Right? You're, you're still accounting for, from previous signing bonuses, $18.8 million against the cap. It's still 
bad. Oh, I mean, you're it's paying not great. today, this year, 2023, for the value you got out of Tannehill in 2020 and 2021. Which is, per- to be honest, which is perfectly fine if you're set up the way the Titans are, which Perfect. is they're not going to be very good this year. Yeah. Perfectly fine. And then you have yeah. to make a rational decision about, is he worth all this additional cash? Do we want to pay all these millions of dollars for him? I would not. And can we find a better use of this approximate $18 million of cap space if we cut him? And the answer is, yeah, of course they can yeah. find a better use for that. So he yeah. is a, a, a cut candidate. I agree. But if you're the Colts, is he that much of an upgrade over Gardner Minshew? Not really. I think it's just more of a, he's probably an easier sell to your fan base than Minshew is as a starter. And like the thing is, like Indy would be wise to do this, but the fans would absolutely riot. No, they wouldn't. The fans are not going to riot. The fans experienced what it looked like to try to microwave a competitive team in the last couple of years, right? They've been through it. They've been through Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. And it's not that different to just take whatever quarterback is available, not the guy we have at the top of our board, just because we're trying to fix this problem. They've been through years of just trying to fix the problem with whatever's available instead of taking a step back and incrementally building the roster up from the foundation and then the first floor, the second floor, the roof, everything. Boom, 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 boom. So what they should do is get the hell out of there and start building a foundation. I would start tanking actively. If I'm if I'm the Colts because of what Drake May and Caleb Williams are as prospects for next year, right? Like and I know every year everyone's biggest complaint is, "Oh, next year's quarterback class is better." Well, I hate to break it to you guys, but this year's quarterback class is better than last year's. And next year's quarterback class at the top is better than this year's, right? And so like it's the age old, "Oh yeah, but next year's guy." Okay, there's no there is no Caleb Williams in this draft class. You could argue there's a Drake May if you if you want to argue between May, Stroud, and Young. That's fine. But there is one franchise-changing, immediate impact player available next year, and we know it right now. I mean, if he was available tomorrow, if you could trade for the 101 and guarantee yourself Caleb Williams tomorrow, there are teams that would give up three, four first-round draft picks for him the only thing that you have to do is ensure that you're not competitive. That's it, right? The The Houston Texans winning a useless game at the end of the season gave them the 102 instead of the 101, which is fine, right? They're still probably going to get the guy they want in Bryce Young. Good for them, right? But we saw exactly what happened with this when the Jets missed out on Trevor Lawrence, and instead Jacksonville looks like a team that's ascending, and the Jets are trying to throw themselves a life raft with a guy that wants to take ayahuasca and go to darkness retreats for four days. And now you want to send that guy to the New York media? God bless. Good luck with that. Like, this is exactly what happens when you decide to win random games you shouldn't. If you're the Colts tank, just the decision has been taken out of your hands. You won too many games last year. Now this year, actively tank. Your your job is simply to win as few games as possible, to get everything else ready so that year one of Caleb Williams is special. God, they Chris Ballard just he fucked this team up in so many different ways. The DeForest Buckner trade, like all these things, like the idea that you would make these deals without 
a team that actually is a Super Bowl contender to go trade for a premium edge rusher, right? Giving up first round picks for Carson Wentz, DeForest Buckner. Moves made no sense. They made no sense. These are like, hey, the final piece of the puzzle. We need an edge rusher. We're ready to win a championship. Let's go get DeForest Buckner. Cool. Mm -hmm. Usually those trades don't work out. No, they very rarely work out. Right? Usually when you overpay for these veteran edge rushers, whatever it is, Khalil Mack, did the Khalil Mack trade work out? I mean, he's been productive, but not not the way that... He's been productive, but if you could go back, like, he's the best case scenario for that trade, right? And if you could go back, like, hey, man, I think the Bears gave up a little bit too much. Yeah. In that deal, right? To get Khalil Mack. If they could go back in time, they probably wouldn't do that trade. Almost all these trades for these veterans... Whether it's Laramie Tunsil, you go back through time. If you could go back, no, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. So why, why are you trading? Why are you trying to trade up in the draft? Why are you trying to trade for expensive veterans? Build from the ground up. Tear it down to the studs and build it back up. And Indianapolis is in a difficult situation, especially Chris Ballard, because he's wasted too much time. He's wasted too much time dicking around with this roster, fiddling around with it, that now he feels like his job is at stake, just like Ryan Pace. It's the same thing. This is the AFC version of the Chicago Bears. DeForest Buckner is Khalil Mack. Yep. It, you go on. To, didn't, didn't Nick Foles play for both of these franchises recently? He did. This is what it is. It's the Nick Foles corollary. If you're the team that ends up having to rely on Nick Foles for a couple games because you've burned the candle irresponsibly, then th- you, you're going to face the same fate as Ryan Pace. Yeah, I think the, the biggest problem that Indy has is, one, you've tried too many things at quarterback, right? Like The expensive veteran has not worked. The short bridge quarterback in Jacoby Brissett has not worked. The... Let's draft and develop Sam Ellinger has not worked. Like the the only avenue you have not explored is let's mortgage everything, go to the top of the draft and get somebody. The problem is that was taken out of your hands because quarterbacks may go one, two, three in front of you, and now you can't do anything. No, no, no. I, I sort of disagree with the premise that you're starting with. It's not about solving the quarterback position. That's not the starting point. The starting point is. Let's draft the best possible players at the point of attack and build this organization out, this roster out, this franchise out from the middle out. And then we'll figure out the quarterback position once we're ready, once our window opens and we have that four or five years where we can put a rookie quarterback in there and we can go get after it for four or five years. That's when you do it. But the window is never cracked open they thought it might be open, and they keep trying to go through it, and they keep breaking their hand and cutting their hand up. Yeah, on broken glass. That's what this is—a broken glass franchise. They thought they had the semblance of an Alito line, and for a little while they did, but the pieces started falling apart there. Right, like guard opposite Quentin Nelson last year was ugly. Right, and I mean, you know, they've had injuries across their O line, and. You know, obviously, Jonathan Taylor kind of tried to strap that franchise together with duct tape and give him what he could. But, I mean, it's not like a running back can carry you to the promised land anymore. So, they're 
major advantage draft wise is linebacker. They're spectacular at drafting them. Um, but like oh. it, the the rest of it has been, you know, we have a guy that we like here. We have a guy that we like there. There's no star power on this roster, really, outside of running back and guard. Um, it's it's it's. The, I mean, Michael Pittman is a good player. They've got good players here, right? They've got some good players. DeForest Buckner, good player, right? So they got solid players, right? Shaq Leonard, solid, very good player. Like they have a, they've got they've got a guy, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they've got a linebacker named Speed. They got EJ Speed, right? So they've got they've got Speed, baby. Like this is a fun team if they were to come to Jesus. Oh yeah. And accept what they are and build from the ground up. This could be the AFC's version of the Lions. I mean, decide what you want to be. Yeah. Do you want to be the Lions or do you want to be the Bears? Because they've been doing the Ryan Pace Bears thing for a long time, but now the problem is, man, Ballard is in too deep. Yeah. This is the problem when you have these poor roster construction decisions made early, then you get in too deep. And then suddenly the general manager is making moves for his job. That's where you need a board of governance. Like a corporation has a board, has a board of governance. And the CEO can't just go do shit, go make some crazy acquisition that kills shareholder value out of desperation. The board will veto it. So what needs to happen really is the, the, the top equity holder, somebody needs to step in and prevent Ballard from making another mistake. Yeah. That's what ultimately has to happen. So you need to have intervention on on his behalf, on the behalf of the franchise, on behalf of the equity holders, on behalf of the fans. We are stepping in and we're not going to let you, we're not going to let you drive this thing into the ground in a desperate hope to try to turn it around. Like what happened with Bill O'Brien in Houston. Yeah. Trading all those picks. Oh, God. For what? Right? For, for you know, you, you think you're a left tackle away? Get yeah. out of here. That's yeah. not true. You're just trying to, to win enough games so you can maybe make the playoffs and survive yet another year, yet another year. You survive and make the playoffs. Survive and make the playoffs, and you stay in that purgatory. That's the worst place to be, right? It's just hard to imagine a scenario where Chris Ballard survives, where we look up in three years— and Chris Ballard is the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. It's just hard for me to, to think about how that would play out in his favor. Here's the other part of it. We don't really want to acknowledge, right? It's very rare that a team is around 500 and then takes that next step without sucking for a year or two, right? Like, it is better. You're better set up long-term with draft capital and assets and and, you know, everything that you can do. If you are where Chicago was in 2022, understand that it's a multi-year problem. You're not going to compete this year. You have some of the pieces that you like, right? You found a late out gem and Braxton Jones to play left tackle. Justin Fields is clearly your quarterback. You moved off of Montgomery. Khalil Herbert's going to be the guy going forward, at least temporarily. If, if they draft someone, they draft someone, right? You make the move for DJ Moore. You acquire draft capital and other assets. And now, right, as you look into 2023 and 2024, they're set up to be competitive at a time that Green Bay and Minnesota kind of have to tear their rosters down. And so now the Bears and the Lions, 
because they self-scouted, evaluated, and understood we are we need to be terrible before we can be good, right? There's just too there are too many holes to fill here. We can't just accidentally stumble our way into a bunch of veterans that are going to solve our problem. It doesn't work that way. So they were they both decided we're going to be awful. The Lions had their spike last year, and now we think that they're a legitimate borderline Super Bowl caliber team. The Bears expect to take that same leap this year. Maybe they don't quite get to where the Lions were last year, but they know 2024 and beyond they can be competitive only because they realized fast enough, hey, we need to be awful. Indy has not accepted yet that they need to be terrible. That's really what it is, right? A lot of the AFC South, Houston is terrible because they're terrible. They're not choosing to be bad. They're just bad, right? Jacksonville actively chose to be bad. Indy and Tennessee need to choose right now. Are we going to be bad in 2023 and maybe even 2024 to set up 25, 26, 27? Or are we going to keep pretending that we're in this window that we're not in? Thank you for bringing this up. Thank you for circling back to Tennessee because Tennessee is, is following the same game plan. Mike Vrabel is starting to feel desperate. Yeah. And a board of governance needs to intervene and not allow them to trade up for the four pick or the three pick or whatever pick it is. Say no. Veto it. Don't let it happen. This team isn't ready. There's another element here. You're setting whatever rookie quarterback that ultimately lands there to fail. There's one level deeper that this goes. Guess where Rand Carthen played college football? Where? University of Florida. Just saying. You gotta be kidding me. Just saying. The decision drivers around the NFL make me insane. It's nuts. I'm just saying, it, it, do not be set, surprised if when we're in Kansas City, that pick is number three, the Tennessee Titans, and the player selected is Anthony Richardson. I would not be the least bit surprised. Okay. So Cody believes that the best players in this draft are Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Will Anderson, Paris Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hard to disagree with any of them. And you're telling me, okay, you're telling me that None of those top four guys may go in the top four. Yeah. That's idiotic. Yeah, it makes no sense. But it's it's the price you pay for quarterback now. Everybody's willing to overpay for something that may amount to something, may not, right? Richardson and Levis are relative unknowns, and people are willing to pay now for the unknown because a Josh Allen hit. Would I bet my money on that? Probably not. I would not. Josh Allen broke people's brains. Yeah, it, they're chasing the high of that one draft pick so much so because, I mean, look, go to Player Profiler, type in Anthony Richardson. Who's his best comp? Josh Allen. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be Josh Allen, right? So many things had to come together for Josh Allen to be Josh Allen. They needed to trade for Stefan Diggs. They needed him to start his whole rookie year. They needed him to show rushing ability. They needed him. There, plenty of things had to had to go his way. They had to give him a pretty solid defense. They had to give him all kinds of things to, had to go right for Josh Allen to turn into Josh Allen. And Brian Dable gets a lot of credit for that, as he should. Right? They gave him a little legitimate quarterback coach. They gave him a legitimate offensive coordinator. They gave him a head coach capable of writing the ship and in, in for what was for the most part a sunken franchise. Right. Now, if you're asking Anthony Richardson to do all of that with what we know Tennessee has on their roster, I think you're insane. Like, if, if, you're, if your answer is, hey, drop him in and let's see what happens, 
I understand the fascination with wanting a super freak quarterback. I completely get it. I do. There is a there is a Grand Canyon between where Tennessee is right now and where the Raiders are right now in terms of what they can surround a young quarterback with, right? And so even though I'm not the biggest Josh McDaniels guy, and I don't think I really don't think that that would work out, the Raiders at least have pieces in place where we can find out really quickly, oh, okay, this kid's special. He can do it, right? If you're asking him to do all this stuff in Tennessee, throwing to nobody, you're asking a lot. You're asking way too much, in my opinion. And especially if Derrick Henry gets moved. I mean, look, asking anybody to go in there and succeed, much less a quarterback with 13 career college starts, is asinine. Asinine. It's crazy. And so often we, we say the same thing. Hey, you need to come to Jesus. You need to walk into the darkness knowing that this is a pain trade. Oh, yeah. Right. You need to accept the pain. Why do we celebrate Brad Holmes so much? Because he walked into that job and he said, it's pain time, everybody. Everybody get ready. Strap in for a couple of years. We're going to take some pain. And we're going to come out the other side better for it. Yeah. And a, a Chris Ballard is not in a position to do that. Bill Belichick is in no position to do that, given his age and his ego. Right. McDaniel's not going to do that, nope. given that this is his second team. And he's already this is his last shot. Looking at his last shot, and he's already in desperation mode. Yep. Ballard's in desperation mode. Vrabel's starting to feel the pressure. So if if you're a fan of these teams, you have no choice because I'm a Patriots fan. Okay. And I'm right there. What you have to understand as a Patriots fan is you're right there with the Colts. You're right there with the Titans. You're right there with the Raiders. We're all in the same situation is that we are looking five years down the road because we know that the current front office and coaching staff has to get flushed out. They have to make a few more mistakes. They have to make a few more desperate moves. There's always a few more desperate measures that can be pulled. Then they will finally exit. And then the hope is that the next guy that comes in has the disposition of a Brad Holmes. And then there's two more years of proper true rebuilding that have to happen before you can get excited about playoff wins again. That's just, that's the truth. It's it's an unfortunate truth mm-hmm. to have to learn that about a team that you love, a team that's been in the playoffs recently, like the Titans. But the last thing you want to happen is to have leadership, the highest levels of leadership, the people that actually you know run the franchise, to let a post-peak leader of the franchise, coach, general manager, or some hybrid, continue to to just throw everything overboard just in hopes of keeping the ship afloat. It's not fair to the fans. It's not fair to the franchise. It hurts everybody. Yeah. I mean, Matt, what was New England's record last year? Do you remember? Off the top. I know it was around 500. I cannot remember off the top of my head. Nine and eight? Nine and eight. This is where... And and uh, buddy of mine, Josh Pate, who does a lot of college football stuff, succinctly put this when we talk about college football teams. And I think there's there's truth to it in the NFL as well. You are not what your record says you are, because the Detroit Lions finished nine and eight last year. Oh, they were eight and nine. Eight and nine, nine and eight. Right. Patriots were eight and nine. Patriots were eight and, and nine. The Lions. Lions are nine. The Lions were nine and eight. Nine the Lions eight. had a better record than the Patriots. Now. If you look at this, right, you could say one tipped ball and one of them could have been eight and nine, the other could have been nine and eight, right? 
Are these teams even relatively headed in the same direction? Absolutely fucking not. No, right? Your record is lying to you. That's what it is. And back to my point about your starting point, your premise being wrong. The Patriots have the young quarterback. You would think, right, based on the statement you just made, that the Patriots would have Goff, right? If everything was quarterback-centric, if it was all about getting the right quarterback, right, then if that was the starting point, getting the quarterback is not the starting point. Because if it was, then we would say, oh, the Patriots are in great shape. They have Mac Jones. They've got the one piece you need to, to, to start building around. And the Lions are fucked on it. They've got Goff. When it's like, nah, 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 nah. It's all about Sewell and Hutchinson. That's the starting point of rebuilding a franchise the right way. It's not Mac Jones. Well, the other part too is, right, if you can have a Sewell and a Hutchinson that you don't have to pay, right, not only just getting them on your roster because they're hard to find, right? It's hard to find a, a true franchise left tackle. It's hard to find a true franchise edge rusher. But if you can have both of them on rookie contracts, you know, like you have, you have a premier player at both positions on rookie deals, I mean, the flexibility it offers you to do things is crazy. Because like we said... It's crazy. Because it's like we said, right? Khalil Mack got traded for a lot of stuff because it's hard to find a franchise edge rusher. Laramie Tunsil got traded for a bunch of stuff because it's hard to find a franchise left tackle. If you can draft these positions in the same draft and subsequent drafts to where you have a window where you have all of these guys, right? On rookie contracts or paying one of them, right? That's really where where you have true sustained long-term success unless you have, you know, a generational super freak, which, you know, there are one of. Listen, if you're drafting in the first round, don't forget, these guys also have the fifth-year option. Yep. So that extends the rookie deal out. I mean, I know they're paying a lot more as the fifth-year option. The fifth-year option for a, a first-rounder that hits is still a bargain. Absolute bargain. So we're talking about five years. Yeah. So if you're drafting in the late first round, you cannot just take a linebacker. You cannot take a running back. You can't do it. You can't do it. It is fiscally irresponsible to take those kinds of positions. Even a safety. It's a very high bar. That safety has to be so good. Such a lock to be an elite safety in the league. If you're going to forego one of these building blocks, these potential building blocks, which you can then have out through year five, and then you can franchise them on top of that multiple years. Yep. You can franchise tag players two years in a row. You have seven years of contract control. This is what Lamar Jackson is so frustrated about. Yeah. Right? This is what he's pushing back against. Yep. That this never should have been negotiated. Yeah. This never should have been allowed. The idea that the players union allowed NFL teams to franchise tag a player a second year was one of the great fails of the NFLPA. Do you agree? Yeah. The the collective bargaining agreement as structured is a there are so many issues with it that we could discuss like the, the ad nauseum about how the players really got shafted on this and they always do. But this one in particular was bad because players were in a rush to get it done. They still had a full year left to negotiate, and they didn't. And basically locked in through, I think it's 2031 now, something like that, when they can come back to the table and renegotiate. You have to live by this, right? So like, if you're Joe Burrow, if you're Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, right, Lamar Jackson, 
you have to live by rules that you weren't a star to negotiate in the first place, right? And the thing is, it's bad for the guys at the top, as is, right? Because, I mean, getting franchise tag twice would suck. Seven years of contract control is crazy. Well done by the owners, by the way. Um, but the, uh, the flip side is also true. Guy 53 on the roster is not taken care of the way that he should be either. And that's really where the failure in the CBA goes. And Lamar is in the midst of trying to negotiate a relatively unique deal. And I, I don't blame him for it by any means. He has absolutely earned what he is asking for. The question is, will someone give it to him? Because like I said, Deshaun Watson's deal was given to him because he had whoever traded for him over a barrel. That's what it was. You had to give up three first-round picks just to acquire the right to pay him. There was never going to be a scenario where he didn't get everything he wanted, right? Now, given the the reason that he was available, that is mind-boggling. I still can't believe that that happened. But Lamar Jackson doesn't have that leverage. So when we're talking about a Lamar deal... The question is, what is someone willing to pay him when he doesn't have that kind of leverage? Because once again, the CBA failed him. And to be completely fair to both Lamar and Deshaun Watson, on Deshaun Watson's best day and Lamar Jackson's best day, Lamar Jackson is the better football player. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I just, <laughs> I just, I, was it an oversight by Demora Smith? How did this go through? How could you allow it? it? This would have to be a thick red line on the list of bullets of things we're willing to give up and things we're not willing to give up. That would be one of those things. Yeah. It's important that they take care of their young players and the bottom of the roster players. This is something that needs to happen. Of course. It's irresponsible that they're not doing this. It's shameful, both by the NFL and the NFLPA. And then at the high end, too. At the highest end, they're making it more difficult for their best players to get drafted in the first round, potentially being locked up for seven years. Seven. It's just, it's pure incompetence. There's no other way to talk about it. I would be demanding new leadership if I were an NFL player. And how much of this is due to the fact that Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent? Because it keeps coming back to this over and over and over again. Oh, Lamar Jackson missed out on a big shoe deal because his mom is his agent. I mean, that is impossible to prove. Smearing his mother. Yeah. I believe that whatever deal he gets from an NFL team is going to be what he's worth, and an agent wouldn't have been able to improve on it much. However, he is foregoing a lot of revenue in other areas. Sponsorship opportunities that come across agency desks. Mm-hmm that are then just distributed because I the, the best story and the reason if I were to talk to Lamar Jackson and the reason why I would tell him you got to get an agent is because Hulk Hogan had an agent, the same agent as George Foreman, okay? And these inventors were coming to this agent saying, hey, I want a couple big retired you know, premium sports celebrities to pitch these products. And the agent was like, what do you got? So I got a couple guys. Right. He's like, oh, I got a blender. I got like a protein shake blender. Right. It's like a one serving blender. It's a special one serving type blender. And I got a grill. I got like a one serving grill, a little grill that you, you put on your on your 
countertop and I got a little blender that you put in your countertop. And he's like, oh, okay, well, let me call uh, a couple of my guys. Would you have a preference over Hulk Hogan or George Foreman? And the guy goes, uh, not really. We, we, we'd rather, we'd probably rather work with Hulk Hogan. He's a little bit more of a, a brand name, recognizable, right? He has a, a little higher Q score. He's like, okay, which, which of these products is, is most important? Uh, probably the grill, right? probably the grill. So agent calls Hulk Hogan, goes to voicemail. Okay, so he's like, all right, well, let me call George, right? So he called Hulk Hogan first, given the right of first refusal, goes to voicemail, calls George. He's like, hey, George, I got a couple of products. You got a preference? George says, yeah, I'll take the grill. Cool. So he calls Hulk Hogan back. Hey, leaving you another message. I got a deal for a blender, right? Hulk Hogan says, great, I'll take the blender. Cool. It ended up being one you push a button, spins three times and farts. Blender made no money. The George Foreman grill has netted George Foreman, this is literal hundreds of millions of dollars, okay? Now, it's not about Hulk Hogan versus George Foreman, you understand? If I'm talking to Lamar Jackson, it's not about Hulk Hogan. It's about macho man Randy Savage. It's about all those guys that didn't even get the phone call. At least Hulk Hogan got the phone call because he's with that agency. All the other wrestlers didn't even get the phone call. And... That's the value in having an agent, right? They see all the pitfalls before you do. They can see when you need a PR team. They can tell you who the best attorney to hire is. They can tell you who your best accountant in town is because they've already had clients go do that, right? They know all of the stuff that you don't know you need to know, right? What players sometimes fail to understand is that they're their own business and you are a mercenary for hire. Yes, of course, you have a team, Yes, of course, somebody has the rights to your contract, but your agent is the only person other than you that is going to view you as a business. Your family members may do it, but they don't understand everything that goes into that. They've never done it before. The agents know other agents. They know how to get you sponsorship deals for things. They know what companies to avoid. Perfect example, Deshaun Watson's agent is David Mulugeta, Athletes First. We've had the discussion about him. Jalen Ramsey is a client of his, and C.J. Stroud's a client of his. He is going to, no matter what, ensure that C.J. Stroud is not a Houston Texan. We know this. There is not a chance that he becomes one because he saw what happened with Deshaun Watson, and he's going to tell C.J., look, even if they want to draft you number two, go to whoever's drafting three, even on the off chance, you know, whatever the case may be. There are only so many agents in the sport that can get you to that level that say, hey, yes, 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 no, yes. It's very rare. And that's the kind of agent that Lamar needs because he is one of the true superstars of the sport. He's going to get opportunities that, you know, God bless him, Lane Johnson will not. Yeah, You need the agent that's going to make other agents pissed that they didn't get that deal when they were approaching teams and is going to piss off ownership. That, oh, you just reset the market. Yeah. Right? That contract pissed everybody off. Yeah. There, there, there's one thing about that Deshaun Watson Cleveland contract is that it universally angered everyone. Everyone. Players, it, it, other agents were mad. Other players were mad. I mean, look, quarterback. It's what you want, though. Right. That's what you want. Look, the, the other part of this, too, that everybody seems to be skipping over. Mike Bishotti, who's the owner of the Ravens, is not the cash richest owner in the league. Right. And a lot of this stuff is going to be talked about going forward when it comes to Burroughs deal. 
because Mike Brown, again, not super cash rich. Yes, we're talking about billionaires, right? But there are different levels among the wealth that these owners have and how much of it is tied up in their own franchise, right? Some of them, the franchise itself is their net worth, whereas others have tens of billions that they can pull from whenever they want. Cash flows here matter a lot because any guaranteed money paid to someone has to go into escrow. And the date for that escrow payment, the the check that the NFL does every year is on January 31st. And by March 31st, it has to be guaranteed in an escrow account if the money has been guaranteed by that time. Why does that matter? Because the check for this year is already gone. So Lamar Jackson does not have to have anything put into escrow for his contract until March 31st, 2024. All of the guaranteed money you pay him up front is one thing, but the full guarantees in his contract, let's say it's $150 million, whatever it is, does not have to be put into escrow for another year. And that's regardless of who signs him. It doesn't matter if it's Baltimore or anyone else, right? That's the advantage that he's created for himself by essentially negotiating Baltimore, putting him in the non-exclusive franchise tag. Now, no matter what happens, they cannot, cannot for any reason accept more than two first-round draft picks for him. It's mandated in the CBA. Lamar Jackson has Baltimore in a really rough spot because they can't get more than two firsts back for him now. That's it. What about future first could it be a 2024 and a 2025 pick it can but only if he's only if he's quote unquote traded after the draft so that's the thing baltimore if they're gonna move him wants those picks in 23 and 24 for obvious reasons right and so if they know that lamar will not sign with them long term they need to move him before the draft lamar probably wants to be moved after the draft because teams that otherwise would not be able to this year would also be in afterwards, right? So now you've got or teams that are coveting their current pick, like Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta would be willing to do it, perhaps for a 2024 and a 2025 first, right? But if I'm Atlanta, I'm reticent to give up the 108, knowing that it's possible that it goes QB times four. And I can get one of those four elite defensive players on Cody's big board yep. at eight. Yep. Oh my God. You're telling me I can maybe get a Nolan Smith. I can get a Paris Johnson at eight. I'm in. Yep. And the other part of it too, that's very important with this, especially for this year's draft class. Cause I've seen people try to float out that the Rams could be interested. They would have to get back up above their initial draft pick. You cannot trade a pick that is in a slot lower than your original draft slot. So they would have to get back up to basically 106, 105, which they just don't have the assets to do. That being said, right? If you're the lions, you don't have to give up 106. You can give up 118, which is your original draft pick. So it's kind of a, a give and take on what do we want to do here if you're Detroit, for example, right? They can give up the 118 this year and get, essentially beat out everyone else in the market to Lamar, or they can say, hey, we're going to wait till after the draft and, and give up a 24 and a 25 one. So, I mean, it's really interesting market. This doesn't happen often at all. It's a very strange, nuanced rare thing, especially for a franchise quarterback, especially for an NFL MVP that's 26 years old. This does not happen ever. It sounds like Lamar Jackson's not going to get traded until after the draft. That's when the market will coalesce. 
We'll see. Because, I mean, if like I said, Baltimore's incentivized to trade him early. Lamar's incentivized to wait. So, I mean, there's, again, a franchise and its quarterback are at odds yet again. Like, we saw this with Deshaun in Houston, but obviously much different situation. I will say it's pretty fucked up that the Deshaun Watson situation is going to net him a five-year, $230 million guaranteed contract, and Lamar is not going to get that despite having done nothing wrong whatsoever. What about Seattle? Couldn't Seattle potentially go after him? They've got the 20th pick. They could. That would be a that would be a candidate for sure. Washington would be a candidate. They Washington would, came yeah. in and said that they're not in for reasons I can't explain. That's inexplicable. D- d- and then as I scroll down the board, New Orleans knows they have to tank and rebuild. Yeah. They can't they can't they can't be delusional enough after last year going they're going to the same motions they have no out there are void years in Derek Carr's contract until 2028 yeah they can't do it right so it's not possible they're in this oh my god I mean of all the teams that are in an even worse situation than the Patriots and the Colts and all these teams we listed earlier that need to decide eventually and you got they got to they got to take the pain yep New Orleans is even further away now that they've brought in Derek Carr it just pushes it even further out. They're they're what they're, what are they six years away? Seven years? Twenty twenty eight. There's void year money into twenty twenty eight as of right now. And they couldn't send car to Baltimore, right? No, because like I said, they're trying to spread money into void years, which is fine because the cap will go up. The problem becomes if that player is not worth having on your roster in twenty twenty five, you are fucked. So while they made a contract with Derek Carr. That was his team friendly for their particular situation. The problem with the structure of that contract is it makes him more difficult to trade. Yeah, borderline impossible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now I'm looking and listen, you need to find a trade partner that doesn't have one of these top 10 premium picks because it's going to be very hard to wrestle one of these top 10 premium picks away. Yep. Tampa is an option, I suppose. There's just very few teams that I'm seeing that have the firepower that are not already set at quarterback to make this deal. Detroit is interesting too. That's the that's Detroit. the team that I think should do it. Yeah, Detroit at 18, I think they're poised. They're like, "Hey, we could invest in a rookie quarterback and then it's going to be another year probably before that rookie quarterback is at a place where they can compete for a Super Bowl or we could bring in Lamar Jackson and realize that our time is now, right? Sewell's already 2 years into his rookie deal. Let's go after it. Now at this time, Lamar Jackson has a couple more years where he can be a real dynamic threat before he reaches his late 20s. So let's get these prime Lamar years. Let's give up these additional picks that we've accumulated over time. Like we have luxury picks. We have multiple first round picks. Yeah. And we're going to have a late pick next year. So it's basically the 18th pick and a late pick in 2024. And that's going to meet the requirements of the CBA and what needs to be sent to Baltimore because it's a conditional. Right. And the thing is, they can structure that deal however they want to. Right. Because remember, Baltimore has the right of first refusal. But if you structure the contract in a way that they can't pay it in 2023, they have no option but to decline. That's the move. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the move. Why take a chance on a rookie quarterback when you have you could take a, a proven young MVP and you have the assets that you did all this. You did all this great work, Brad. 
You did all the work. Pay it off. You took the pain. It's time to cash the chips. Now you have all this capital. Use it. It's time. Go put it to work. God, can you imagine Lamar Jackson week one in Honolulu blue? Good Lord. <laughs> gorgeous. Oh, it would be absolutely gorgeous. The, the, the fun part about Lamar, too, is there are, and I mean, we've had a discussion about this. There are probably eight quarterbacks in the league at any given time that you can pay max contracts to and still have a Super Bowl window open with. As soon as you get to that 9, 10, 11, 12, that window starts to be, you know, they need to play above their skis a little bit. And then after 12, it's you're, you're wasting your time, right? But Lamar is firmly in that eight that you can pay and still compete with. And look, like, the NFC is wide open. It's Philly, it's San Fran, and then it's nobody. Right. Dallas has made a couple moves that we like. They may move into that tier. Detroit may take that next step. They may be in that tier, but there aren't the super freaks going forward. Right. Like if you're talking about the Niners right now, you're talking about Brock Purdy. You want to bring Brock Purdy to a Lamar Jackson fight? Good luck. I'd bring a Trey Lance to a Lamar Jackson fight. Would you? Wouldn't you? If, if given my choice, yeah. Do you think that Trey Lance is just a bad player? Do you think he's not? showing up to the facility to put the work in? Do you think he's not engaging with Kyle Shanahan behind the scenes, that he's not studying the playbook the way he's been asked to? What is the deal? Something is happening to create this rift. The problem, no matter what, is there's nothing to grasp onto. It's tangible talent. We've all seen what Trey Lance can be. There's this beautiful imagination thought experiment of what Trey Lance could look like if he puts it all together, right? Because we've seen it in bits and pieces in this preseason game or in that game that he started. Well, if he does this and that and puts this together, we loved this at the Combine and the, the 12 games he started at North Dakota State. Guys, it doesn't matter. If he's not out there, he's not out there. And I think that's problem number one for Kyle is he saw Garoppolo get hurt and his offense struggle. Not because the offense is bad, but because replacement-level quarterbacks, right, are replacement-level quarterbacks. Nick Mullins kept the ship afloat for 10 seconds, right? Brock Purdy is clearly better than Nick Mullins. I think he's saying to the world, I think my system is good enough. I think our players on offense are good enough that as long as we have someone that can hit the layups, we're going to get to where we need to go. And if they need to be special, we'll ask him to be special for those four plays. And other than that, we're just going to ask him to do what we ask him to do. That being said, Trey Lance would unlock a level of this off if he if we if everything hits right. Trey Lance is just a completely different caliber of football player than Brock Purdy. Yeah, is. like yeah, and and I I don't understand. It's it's the same discussion that we had with Kenny Pickett when he got drafted, right? Kenny Pickett does not provide a ceiling that you can chase reliably long term that will get you consistently to where you need to go. The problem is the established floor is relatively high and people think that that's safe. It's not. It's not. Because Kenny Pickett has to have a lot more go right for him to provide value to your NFL franchise than a Trey Lance does, right? And that's why in this situation, you're watching teams move up for Anthony Richardson because if you miss on him, you're not missing on a floor. You're missing on a ceiling. The floor only gets you so far. You're never going to get anywhere without a ceiling. That's the problem that NFL teams have right now, specifically if you're in the AFC. Your floor doesn't matter because if your floor isn't higher than Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, you're fucked. Josh Allen, good luck. 
Well, Kyle Shanahan disagrees. Kyle Shanahan thinks he can win a Super Bowl. Well, in the NFC, he might not be wrong. With Brock Purdy. Well, I don't know. How long has it been since Nick Foles won a Super Bowl? It's it's The years keep ticking by. The years keep ticking by because I heard, oh, Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco and a broken Peyton Manning. The teams have... Flacco's run was a run from God. Like that, he was never that player before or after that. Like that was well, just. Neither was Eli Manning when when they were going. Sometimes twice. Sometimes I mean, look, if you're an NFL, if twice you're, Eli Manning had someone else took over his body twice. If you have a Pro Bowl caliber, you know, season or two, you're capable of quote unquote acquiring the Mario Kart star and going on a run. Nobody's disagreeing with that. It's just a matter of is that sustainable? Can you replicate that? Probably not. Probably not. I mean. Eli Manning was a top pick. Yeah, he Eli was. Manning was a talent. Yeah, right. It was him and Philip Rivers in the draft that year, going in the top five. Both really good football players. Like, right. And he still had to catch absolute fire. Joe Flacco, first round pick, and two really good Giants defenses. By the way, let's not forget about that. No, no, I know that. That's what I'm saying, though. Is like, there's this premise that okay, you could build a team that checks all the boxes with the exception of quarterback, and it's possible. We've seen it done. Yeah. Right. And yes, we have seen it done. We have seen it done. It has been done. Okay. It has been done by Flacco, though he was the 18th overall pick. It has been done by Trent Dilfer before him. And then most recently, Nick Foles. It's possible. Once a decade, it happens. Mm -hmm. It's just, I'm saying, as time goes by, we get further and further and further and further and further and further away from that Nick Foles Super Bowl. Yeah. It's harder and harder and harder. Now it's so consistently Burrow. Allen, Mahomes, Stafford, Brady. It's just consistently these guys in the NFC and AFC championship games that this idea that you can bring Bo- uh, Brock Brock Purdy? It's madness. Matthew Stafford was not traded to the Rams because he improved on Jared Goff's floor. That's not why he was traded there. They traded two first-round picks, mortgaged the future, eight twenty-five million dollars of Jared Goff's salary, to raise their ceiling. And what I'm saying to you is simply this. If you are going to draft a Kenny Pickett, a Kirk Cousins, a Derek Carr, do it outside of the first round and quit wasting everyone's time. Thank you. Put that on the board. Quote that. Put that on the board. That that should be a quote on our Twitter handle, at Player Profile. Look for that. Look for that quote to be up. Also, by the way, playerprofiler.com, go to the NFL draft section. And in the NFL draft section, you will see all the resources that I've been citing. We have the Cody Big Board. We've got the NFL draft order. we got everything up there for your uh, consumption. Okay? And we're going to come back after this and talk more about Trey Lance. Hey, it's the Podfather. Now, in the offseason, I get into baseball. I get into basketball. And my preferred platform to play fantasy sports is Rival Fantasy because Rival Fantasy has challenges where you can just take a guy and say, hey, this guy's going to score more fantasy points than this guy. They put two shortstops together, pick one. Point guards, pick one. Spoiler alert, you should pick Damian Lillard. Or they have the Fantasy Book where you can pick over, under, over, under, over, under, and up to five guys, and then the more you pick, your potential payout quickly escalates. And finally, I submit a bingo card because you can just go over, under, over, under, over, under across the board, get your fantasy bingo card set, submit it. I'm not the biggest basketball or baseball expert, but I have a hell of a lot of fun playing fantasy sports on RivalFantasy.com. And the best part is with promo code PLAYER, 
They refund up to $50 of any losses. So the promo code there is PLAYER on RivalFantasy.com. Go have some fun. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Do you think Trey Lance will be the 49ers starting quarterback in 2024? Oh, my God. No. No, I don't. It's hard. It's hard to imagine him there. And it's not his fault. Like, the guy just keeps getting hurt. Like, I... I, Do you remember how he got hurt, by the way? I do not. A designed run up the middle called by Kyle Shanahan. Oh, my God. I mean... So, first of all, that's... we're, We're going to so many different places in this show. Yeah. But I... If there's one thing that makes me lose my mind... It is having a Josh Allen or a Trey Lance or a Lamar Jackson run between the tackles designed to take the ball out of their hands, take passing away as an option, and just run the quarterback. Why would you do that? What That was always a low expected outcome play whenever you're a defense or you're an opposing fan and you're playing the Bills and it's clear they've called the design run and, and Allen pulls it down right away. You're happy. Thrilled. You're thrilled. It's amazing. You're like, oh, thank God we don't have to deal with this dual threat back there. And they're just going to, you know, seed this down to us. And they're going to get their five yards or three yards or, you know, two yards and a broken ankle. Yeah. I, your guess is as good as mine as to what they're doing there. I will say Larky, Larky put something out that made me laugh. Earlier, and then it what made, happened? What did he put out? Yesterday, I, I can't remember what book it was on. Somebody had a line on Darnold to win Comeback Player of the Year at 75 to 1. <laughs> and, and by the time he tweeted that out and people got to it, it was like 50 to 1. I think now it's somewhere like 40 to 1. It's just, it's, it's funny, right? Like, it's just, it's stuff like that where you're just like, hey, every quarterback that's ever played in this system has produced. Darnold is a significantly better talent than Brock Purdy was. There's an avenue where this happens. Like there is a there there's an avenue where Sam Darnold is reasonably good in San Francisco. Who else would you bet on? What? I mean, <laughs> who else would you bet on for comeback player of the year? I mean, it's going to be nobody in that range. Like 75 to 1 is crazy. His MVP Dude, He's a great candidate for a comeback player of the Matt, year. Matt, his MVP odds were 80 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, that's just yeah. That's just an exploit. What? 
Good for Larky. Found an exploit. Right? And so it's it's stuff like that where you sit there and you, your, your actual knowledge of watching football will give you insight into things like that where you're sitting there and you're like, has there ever been a Niners quarterback that was really bad? Like even the Nick Mullinses and CJ Beathards were putting up usable stat lines from time to time. And now you're telling now the weapons are even better. Now they have McCaffrey. Now they have Ayuk. And I mean, if you're telling me like Sam Darnold last year in Carolina was not bad. If you're telling me you give him Kyle Shanahan and all of those weapons, like it, it's that's the problem for Trey Lance. If everybody that keeps going into this offense looks good and you're just not capable of being out there. What do you want from us? How how can we how can we keep talking you up as this, you know, really great option when you're not available to be out there? Like that that's really the problem. I don't think he's a bad football player. I don't think he was developed poorly. I don't think you know, there's no chance that he could resurrect his career. I just I'm running out of No, there is a chance he resurrects his career. No, no, no I said I think there I don't I said I don't oh, think Oh, there absolutely there, is. Yeah, Ryan I, Tannehill did it. Yeah, I mean, look, the problem is it may not be in San Francisco only because everybody that goes in there looks good, right? Like they have the best supporting cast you could ever imagine. Yeah, it's insane. And their system does make life easy for the quarterback. They don't have to do as much. They don't have to call the plays. It's a little more color by numbers for the quarterback. Yeah. That's what Kyle Shanahan wants. Yep. It's 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 a difficult position for a general manager like a John Lynch, it's almost an impossible situation in that you have this high quality system, but it's run by such an egomaniacal <laughs> asshole that only certain quarterbacks can thrive in that system. Those that are good at taking instruction and not asking questions and not improvising. So then you necessarily lower the ceiling outcome of whatever quarterback fits into that chair and can operate the offense to a place where the coach is happy. The coach wasn't going to be happy with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Not accurate enough, you know, doesn't process fast enough, and wasn't making the decisions that Kyle Shanahan wanted him to make, and he was too much of an uh, he wants the, the, the improviser. We know what he wants. We know what Kyle Shanahan wants. So the, why would they even go to the, to the place of trading three first-rounders to give a guy in Kyle Shanahan a quarterback that is doomed to fail under his leadership. That's the difficult situation. John Lynch is like, okay, we need this type of guy to compete with the Josh Allens and the Staffords and the Bradys and all these elite quarterbacks. We need a guy with a ceiling. So we, we desperately want to get that guy so we can win a championship. But at the same time, those types of players are almost destined to clash with my coach, who also is one of the best offensive minds in the sport. It's a it's a, it's a weird dilemma, it's a unique dilemma to San Francisco. Yeah, the thing is we know what he wants. The man wants Kirk Cousins. That's what he wants, right? Like if and if, and if he's that desperate to have him, I don't know why they didn't just trade picks for Kirk Cousins. Like I the thing is the this whole situation is so weird because Jimmy Garoppolo is basically a if you stripped down, he's like some percentage of Kirk Cousins. Does Kirk Cousins himself well, stripping down Jimmy Garoppolo would be impressive because <laughs> you know he has a future. I mean, he's a, he has a future in GQ know. at GQ. 
He's he's gonna be just all right in Vegas. He's gonna have a hell of a time. <laughs> uh, but I mean, look, I don't understand why Kyle is the way he is about quarterback. Um, it it just seems like because I mean, again, the Niners were in on the Matthew Stafford sweepstakes. Like, is it just you want a guy if if he's gonna be you know your quarterback to not be mobile and he can have a huge arm and, and that's your your plus angle. I, j- I just don't understand what it is that he wants outside of Kirk Cousins. Like He wants Mac Jones. They wanted Mac Jones, and I will go to my grave believing that this is what happened, that from all the conversations that were happening with general managers across the league and all the bluffing, Right, all of the bluster and the bluffing that John Lynch was convinced that they weren't going to have any of the quarterbacks that they wanted available to them. Right, so then they made the choice. They said, "Okay, we're moving up. We're moving up so we can make sure we get Mac Jones. We don't think Mac Jones is going to make it to us. We're going to make sure if we're at three, there's no way we're not going to get at least a couple guys as options that we that we desire." And I don't believe they gave much thought to Trey Lance at that time. And so they got the pick, assuming it's going to be Mac Jones unless some quarterback changes their mind. And then what happened? Trey Lance changed their mind. At the very end, like at the very final hour, the 11th hour, Kyle Shanahan finished watching all that North Dakota State film and finally was convinced, okay, we're going to switch course. We're changing our mind at the 11th hour. We're going Trey Lance. And... It had to be so heartbreaking to look up and see Mac Jones sliding back to where they were in the first place. Yeah. When that was the whole reason they moved up. And now they're in a situation where Mac Jones would be absolutely thriving with Shanahan and these weapons. You got a company man with those weapons. Oh my God. A fast processor who's worked under Nick Saban, another dictator coach. He thrived under Nick Saban. It would be the it would be perfect. It would be it would be if I, like if I were arranging players with teams, I would put Mac Jones on the 49ers. If I was just trying to try to make the best offenses, like if it was like a Rubik's cube of of the NFL, and I was just trying to fit all the pieces and where they would fit the best, Mac Jones would be the starting quarterback of the 49ers. And the irony there is so thick. Yeah, I mean they were never going to ask Mac Jones to run QB draw on first and 10. And I, I imagine Mac Jones would just be yes, sir, no, sir to Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. I mean, look, Mac Jones in New England was always a strange fit, like just because of the way that they do things there. The the Niners fit would have been perfect. Well, it, it's a bad fit because he doesn't have the weaponry, right? They they, they were actually onto something bringing in Cam Newton because like we don't have enough weapons. We need a quarterback that can kind of make plays on his own. But I think Mac Jones is the right fit for – those Patriots coaches, McDaniels, Vrabel, Belichick, and then you've got the Shanahan tree, the Shanahans. I think that's where Mac Jones is a fit because he's not going to ask questions. Yeah. He's just going to run the offense and he's going to say, and he's going to be yes, sir, no, sir. And that's what Brock Purdy is. It's just that Mac Jones is like Brock Purdy, only better in every way. Yeah. I mean, Brock Purdy came in and showed a lot, right? In terms of, you know, being willing to take the hits, processing. It's just he's not the same caliber of prospect that Max jo- Mac Jones was, right? And so, and that, that that's why, as Larky alluded to yesterday, 
there's reason to be excited about Sam Darnold because if he gets that opportunity, that's probably the most talent he's ever going to be surrounded by, right? Like there, there are ever, ever. And you have a quarterback that the coach has no faith in who's coming off multiple lost seasons and another quarterback coming off Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Sam Darnold starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers is far more likely than anyone wants to acknowledge. And then the weird part about that is if he plays as well as he can play, right? Now what? Now you have Lance Purdy and Sam Darnold. Well, actually, it's why Purdy isn't higher on our dynasty rankings. One of the reasons why Purdy isn't higher is actually Darnold. And I think it's valid. This is coming from someone. Who went viral <laughs> criticizing Sam Darnold to Carolina because this is what this was just this was such a, a ballard move to just bring in the retread and just try to keep the engine turning instead of coming to Jesus and rebuilding the right way. No, they bring in Darnold. So on so many levels, I thought that it was a, a terrible idea. And then for fantasy gamers to be drafting him where they were drafting him, I thought was insane. You're right. And I was thinking about this on my bike. So I'm riding a bike, got a bike helmet on. I take my phone out. I put it in front of me, right? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I've heard a lot of fantasy gamers are drafting a Sam Darnold <laughs> in best ball. And, and here's why. Like, and then I laid a bunch of things. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. You guys ready to hear why? You guys really want to know why I think this is a bad thing? You guys really want to know what, what I think? He stinks! <laughs> right? We could play that. We'll play it right here. Here it is. Hey, it's the Podfather. Just checking in during my ride today. After I saw some incredibly important news break, and I want to be the first one to share it. I know a lot of you are starting Sam Darnold this week because you think, oh, it's the Jets, and, and you know, he has Joe Brady, and we love we love these coaches like Joe, like Joe Brady who are good in college, right? But I have some... I have some breaking news about Sam Darnold, especially for all of you out there that are considering starting him over Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, much, 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 much better quarterbacks. Imagine starting him over Jalen Hurts. I'm sure someone out there is thinking about doing that. Idiot. Have some breaking news. Whoa, whoa. Have some breaking news on Sam Darnold. The thing is, though, he's not Josh Rosen. He has ability. If you take a guy and put him in the right situation, surrounded by the right weapons, he can thrive. There's probably 50 quarterbacks in the league you can say that about. Yeah, and and the thing is here especially, right? The sign, the, the, the fact that he showed signs of life in Carolina last year are huge, right? Like, there are some guys that are just broken. They're too far gone. You get Carson Wentz. You know, you just learn yeah. the bad the habits over and over again. You try to bail yourself out with your athleticism. It gets ugly real quick. Sam Darnold last year showed that he's capable of taking coaching and improving at least marginally on some of these things that we thought, you know, were foregone conclusions about his game. And that's great, right? Like that shows that if Shanahan can do with him what he did with Purdy, what he was trying to do with Lance, what he did with Garoppolo, there's a lot to like about it. Right? Like Sam Darnold's not old by any means, right? He's just been through the ringer once or twice with 
maybe the worst franchise in the NFL over the last decade plus. They currently have the longest drought in North American sports. Shout out to the Kings for finally making the playoffs. 16 years going. So now the New York Jets in American sport, in major American sports, have the longest playoff drought at 12 years. And you look at every quarterback that's gone there, right? Geno Smith left, resurrected his career. Sam Darnold left, showed signs of life in Carolina. Might go to San Francisco, potentially resurrect his career. There is an argument to be made that the Jets just don't know what to do with quarterbacks. And, you know, there is more evidence piling up on that from time to time. But I believe wholeheartedly that Sam Darnold is still the talent that he was in the draft, which was worthy of a top five pick. And if come on, man, no, no, why? The talent we, was. We had a very, re- we had a very reasonable position to take, which is this guy could be resurrected, yeah, and win comeback player of the year, yeah. But he's not a top five pick level talent. That's been proven to be wrong. Like it was a bad pick. I think, I think as a as a prospect, I don't think that he was not. Worthy. He wasn't though. You he wasn't so? that efficient. His QBR was low. No, his his touchdown interception ratio was not good enough. He was not a prolific passer despite having NFL caliber wide receivers. He was a, a player that was heavily recruited out of high school that scouts were loving as of his freshman year and there was a, a there was take lock on Darnold starting from when he declared and committed to USC and this is what happened some of these guys they get overrated for their whole college career right through the draft, and that's what ended up happening with Sam Darnold. But he is not Josh Rosen. I am saying that there is potential there. He's good enough. He's shown enough in the NFL that he can be absolutely serviceable. He could be useful in fantasy football. He could be like QB 12 through 15. With those weapons, it's very possible. Comeback player of the year, absolutely. MVP, no fucking way. No, eighty to one is <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah, yeah. that's. But you not mentioned you mentioned the Jets though. You mentioned the Jets. You mentioned the Jets. Did I don't necessarily believe that Aaron Rodgers gets them that much closer to winning a championship because Aaron Rodgers has zero 20 fantasy point weeks last year. Zero. He plays slow. He's thirty nine years old. He's not a good fit with Garrett Wilson. Right, Garrett Wilson is more of an improvisational route runner as opposed to a technical route runner like Chris Olave. And yes, Aaron Rodgers has his blankie and Alan Lazard coming with him. That's going to help him. But their their receiving room got worse. If you exit more and you add Lazard, you just got worse. Punting Elijah Moore. The Browns know what they have in Elijah Moore. The Browns stole Elijah Moore. It's great for them. I still believe the Jets are either the 2A or 2B team in the AFC. It doesn't get them closer, much closer to the Bills. And I, I I expect Miami to have a better season than the Jets, with or without Aaron Rodgers. It'll be interesting to see what the lines are when it's confirmed that he is going to the Jets. So two questions for you. Is there anything that would stop him from going to the Jets, number one? And number two, if he is the quarterback of the Jets— do you think that moves the needle in a way that I don't? No, I think at this point, everything is set that he will be a New York Jet. It's just a matter okay. of compensation and how much of the salary, quote unquote, in terms of draft capital, the Packers are willing to eat just in cash. They're basically going to buy their own draft pick in terms of what they, how much they eat of his salary, um, 
which is fine. That's how a lot of these deals, especially for aging veterans, go. Does he move the needle? Not to me, no. Not in a not in an AFC that has this many built out heavy hitting rosters. I think the Jets right. will be significantly better with him than without him. Just because when you're replacing nothing, that makes you something. Um, that being said, the move that I would look out for for the Jets is Odell Beckham to New York. Because I think if you're going to go all in, then go all in. Like, really commit to it. Pot commit, this is your two-year window, go. Right? And if you don't get you it, be. you don't get it. It, it's, it, it is what it is. Right? Like, you are, you are New Orleans with the last two years of Drew Brees. Mortgage everything. Because if, if you're going to s- sell that much to go get Rodgers anyway, right? If you're going to pay him 60-plus million dollars, what are you paying 60-plus million dollars to? To be the 1B to Buffalo? To not win your own division? Nah, you have to... It's If you're, if you're going in, go all in. Go get Odell Beckham. If you have to go make moves at the trade deadline, do it. Whatever it takes. Because like I said, the windows, especially in the AFC are so, so, so slim because you're talking about to get to the mountaintop, you're going to have to beat a Burrow, a Herbert, an Allen, and a Mahomes. You're likely going to have to beat at least two, maybe even three of them. That's what you're talking about here. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. To get to the mountaintop, you're going to have to beat a Burrow, a Herbert, an Allen, and a Mahomes. You're likely going to have to beat at least two, maybe even three of them. That's what you're talking about here. This is coming from someone who went viral. (laughs) If you're going to go all in, then go all in. Have some breaking news on Sam Darnold. He stinks! There are void years in Derek Carr's contract until 2028. Mac Jones would be absolutely thriving. This is the AFC version of the Chicago Bears. 
asking anybody to go in there and succeed, much less a quarterback with 13 career college starts, is asinine. Stay!